Uh, good morning. Uh, I hope everyone is, is doing well uh, this January 3rd of uh, 2021. Uh, I just want to say it is, it's a huge honor uh, that I get to, to kick off this new year uh, preaching here at Woodbury. Uh, among my friends in the youth ministry world, there's this running joke that the, the last Sunday of each year is known as Youth Minister Sunday. And the joke goes that the, the preacher, the, he has put so much time and effort and energy into having a great Christmas service you know, people haven't traveled yet, and Christmas service is great. And then after Christmas, the preacher's tired. He wants a break. Everyone else has gone traveling, and so the last Sunday's attendance is a little bit less. And so the preacher taps the youth minister and says, Hey, I know this is basically cleanup Sunday, and you're up. And so I'm excited to share with my friends that here at Woodbury, the youth minister gets to kick off the new year. And so I'm excited to share that trump card in my pocket for when I need it with my friends. And so uh, it's, it's a new year, uh, and that comes with all the excitement and the traditions of, you know, creating resolutions to try to just to improve over the coming year. I have a few that I'm working on. Uh, the big one I want to work on is that, you know, uh, if you know me, I'm, I love sports. I love sports. Uh, and so for this year, uh, I'm really working on putting less hope, less hope in the Las Vegas Raiders. Because uh, every year, it's much like the Vikings. I would imagine every year they get your hopes up, and then they come crashing down, and you're just left in bitter disappointment, and it's this, this unhealthy cycle. So less hope in the Raiders. I want to drink less soda. I, I drink too much Coke and Dr. Pepper, and I want to eat more vegetables. Uh, now, if that sounds like the diet of like an eight-year-old, it's because it is. Uh, I hate vegetables with a burning passion. Always have since I was a kid. In fact, when, uh, when I first was out of college, for about three weeks, I followed this diet known as the carnivore diet, where for three weeks I ate nothing but meat. Like, not, no, no potatoes, just literally just meat. I ate bacon for breakfast. I had hamburgers for lunch, and then, like, hamburgers or steak or sausage for dinner. And I only stopped this diet because I started dating Taylor, and I didn't want her to think I was this weirdo who only ate, ate meat. And so the, the, those are the things I want to work on. And in case you're wondering, the most popular resolutions for 2021, they're pretty, the same, pretty much the same as most years, but they are to, to exercise more, to eat healthier. Uh, they want, people want to spend more time with friends and family this year, uh, lose weight, live more economically, and to spend less time on social media. Those are the, the six most popular resolutions for 2021. Uh, and I think those are all great, great things to work on. Um, and I think most of ours tend to fall in those broad categories. And so, uh, but as we head into this new year, there, there's something that here as a church that I want us to really to focus on and to resolve to accomplish in this coming year. Um, so let's, with that being said, let's dive into our reading today from 1 John 3, verses 11 through 24. It says, uh, This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. 
Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Um, Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him, and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the Spirit he gave us lives in us. So over these past several weeks, uh, Patrick has been going through this, this series on the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's used this metaphor where just as the person operating a spotlight is failing at their job if you're paying attention to them. So the Spirit is operating in the same way. It's not trying to draw attention to itself, but it's shining light on Jesus and this path of discipleship following after him. And in this, this letter, this letter of 1 John, John, he's writing to the church, this house church in Asia Minor, probably in Ephesus, on what it means to be a community of disciples shaped and guided by the Spirit. You see, in this house church, there has been uh, some tension and there's been some drama and conflict. And I know that here in 2021, uh, church drama is really hard to picture. Uh, That was such a first through 20th century type of thing. But here in 2021, we're beyond that. We don't deal with that. But John is having to address this issue that has created conflict in this church. You see, there's this, um, there's this group of people who are part of a church that broke away uh, and that, that had some ideas that they were, uh, you know, I guess you could say polluting the church with. And John, is, he's addressing this, and we don't know the specifics of their argument or their philosophy, but we know that they were making a claim that Jesus was not the Christ, that he was not the Messiah. And John addresses this earlier on in the letter, and he says that this faulty claim is so serious that these people who broke away saying that Jesus is not the Christ, they are the antichrists. Uh, and he warns the church against their teaching and against their influence. Uh, but some of the damage has already been done because of the antichrist. Your people are angry with each other. They're a little upset. There's some tension. And so John is feeling the need to remind the church of some of the core fundamentals of following Jesus. Uh, he, he, he first and foremost, he makes this theological claim that we as a church, that Christians have for centuries affirmed, and that is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is both man and God, and that you can't separate that, you know, otherwise you are the Antichrist. But then second, he gets really practical on the day-to-day ins and outs of what it means to be a disciple, and that is that we are to love one another. John, he's, he's urging the church not to be like Cain, uh, who was the first murderer in Scripture. He, you know, he says that Abel was practicing good and righteousness, and because Cain uh, gave himself to evil, he murdered his brother. 
And he, John goes on to say that a, a Christian who refuses to love another believer, another brother or sister in the faith, that they are equal to a murderer. Um, the, the, the guilt, the, the act of not loving another Christian is, is equal to, to taking life and shedding blood with your own hands. And he goes on to answer this question of how do we know what love is for one another? And he says, we know love by the fact that Jesus gave his life for each of us. And he goes on to give just a very specific example. I, I love this letter because he's so practical. He gives this example that if there's a, if there's a brother or sister that's doing, off, doing well financially or doing well with their resources, and they see another uh, believer in need, they ought to show compassion for them and to assist them. And, and otherwise, they don't have the love of God in them. You see, John is saying that it's not enough to just say that we love each other, but our, our words have to be backed by action. When we, when we show this tangible way that we love one another, we are proclaiming to not only ourselves, but to the community and to the world that we are a family united under Christ belonging to truth. As disciples, uh, we're called to be faithful to God's commandments and to obey them. Uh, and, and John, he's reminding, he says earlier in the letter that he's not telling them a new commandment. He's just reminding them of these core principles laid out by Christ in the Gospels. And he says that we are to believe in Jesus Christ and we are to love one another as he commanded. By obeying his commandments, we remain in fellowship and in community with God and with one another. And we know this is true because the spirit that God gave us lives in us, constantly refining and reminding us of this command to love one another. Um, If you know me, I I love church history because it can, for me, it helps bridge the gap sometimes and seeing how some of these hard truths in scripture can play out. And so I want to share with you just a a bit of the story uh, of a guy named Adoniram Judson. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of of trivia first. Uh, That might earn you a lot of money someday. Uh, If you've been to Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, the neighboring town is called Judsonia. And this random little town in Arkansas is named after this missionary uh, from Massachusetts. Um, and I love Adoniram Judson, him and his wife, Anne. They were the first American missionaries to a foreign country. Uh, they weren't the first American missionaries who had done work in Native, um, in, with the Native Americans, but they were the first to sail across the sea to a foreign nation to do missionary work. Um, so in February of 1812, from Salem, Massachusetts, they sailed out to the distant lands. If you're a Harding student or going to be a Harding student, when you get to your junior or senior year and you need an elective Bible class, I encourage you to take history of missions because you get to go to New England for a field trip and you get to stand at the same bay that Adoniram Judson sailed out of and you get to hear Dr. Daggett just share this life story as you're picturing him going over the horizon uh, as he heads out east. Um, they set out on this voyage, uh, Adoniram and Anne, on their way to India. That was where they thought they were going to settle down to do missions work. And part of the reason I love Adoniram so much is that along the way, it's a long, long voyage, they had nothing better to do than read Scripture. There's no, no entertainment, so they sat and they read Scripture the entire voyage. And along the way, Adoniram became convicted 
of the need for adult baptism. And that's something I think that we in the churches of Christ can appreciate is that on this journey of reading scripture, he became convicted that of adult baptism and just his whole, his wife and family rallied around this idea. Uh, so they, they landed in India, but they're unable to stay there. So they moved on to Burma, uh, known as Myanmar today. And like a lot of missionaries, they had some initial struggles. Uh, the Judsons, they struggled with language, uh, usually spending up to 12 hours a day in language study. They struggled with isolation. Uh, initially, there are no other missionaries in their area. And they struggled just with the, the different concepts of religion and different concepts of God and of spirituality found in Burma. Uh, but eventually, um, they, they would find uh, some success and some encouragement. They would have other people come to the area to join them in mission work. Uh, they would start getting a good grasp of the language. And they started having some uh, converts who really bought into the faith uh, and became practicing disciples. Um, but just, just as quickly as they found success, struggle and trouble followed quickly behind. Uh, the Judsons began to battle uh, a series of different tropical diseases and fevers. Their oldest son ended up passing away from fever in Burma. Anne got so sick that she had to sail back to the United States for treatment. And so Adoniram and Anne, they're separated. They're discouraged. They, they've lost their son. And they're, just, they're back into this, this kind of rut. Uh, eventually, Anne would rejoin Adoniram, and there's this excitement to be working together again. And just after Anne gets back to Burma, Burma and England break out in war. And all foreigners were suspected of being spies, despite Adoniram being an American. And so for the next year and a half of his life, Adoniram spent the next, a year and a half in prison. And so, they, once again, they're, Adoniram and Anne, they're separated um, for a year and a half. So Anne's continuing on this mission work and keeping in, in, in contact with her husband and Rangoon. Uh, Adoniram's in prison in just horrible conditions, just praying and trying to keep in contact with his wife to encourage her. And eventually he would be released under a very specific condition that he would help negotiate the peace talks between England and between Burma. And so you have to imagine, he's, he gets released from prison, and there's all this excitement. You know, after all these hardships between disease and between war, Adoniram and Anne finally get to work together again and to serve on this mission they set out to do together. And they get to spend a few weeks together before Adoniram is called out to help assist with these peace talks. And what is only supposed to take a short couple of weeks eventually drags out into taking several months. And one day, Adonim receives a letter that has this black seal on it from a fellow missionary in Rangoon telling him that his wife, Anne, had passed away from tropical disease and that their daughter had passed away just weeks later. And so Adonim finds himself isolated from his family, heartbroken because of their passing, and he, he's, he's angry with himself for having left his family for this. And at first, while he's dealing with all this grief, he tries just to bury himself in his work, right? He's thinking that if I just work hard enough and long enough, I don't have to deal with my emotions. I don't have to deal with my grief. And so he set out to try to translate the, the Bible into Burmese. But all these other missionaries that he's associated with, they see him and they can see his heart's not into it, that the, the grief is just overwhelming him. 
And eventually, uh, Adoniram, he, uh, he withdraws from all the missionaries. He withdraws from all the local Christians. And he hikes out into the jungle of Burma. He builds himself a little hut to live in. He digs his own grave. And he's just waiting for death to take him. And it's this time that he, he journals this quote that he, he becomes known for. He says, God is to me the great unknown. I believe in him, but I find him not. So Adoniram, he's at the, he's at the end that he can take. You know, his, his family has passed. Uh, the work has been hard. He's spent time in prison. He's isolated. He just wants to die, and he can't find God. He knows he's there, but he can't, he can't find God. Um, eventually, Adoniram's mental health and his grief would become a major concern for both the fellow missionaries and the native converts. And they decided that as, as Christians, as, their bro- as his brothers and sisters, that it was their duty to care for him during this time. So they hiked out into the jungle. They, they stayed with him. They cooked Adoniram food. They prayed with him. And, and uh, we don't know how long Adoniram ended up staying in this jungle for. But we know that through this persistent love of his brothers and sisters in Christ there in Burma, that Adonai, he would recover from his paralyzing depression with this, this new depth of spirituality. And he would go on to devote the rest of his life to doing this incredible work in Burma. Uh, he would eventually remarry and have children. Uh, he completed translating the Bible into Burmese for the Christians there. And he just spent the rest of his life until he passed that sea serving God's kingdom in Burma. And I, I love the story of Adoniram because it's so full of, of the highs and the lows. Uh, he, he had the most amazing uh, success or most amazing uh, experiences as well with the crushing pain and grief. And I think just looking at his life, there's lessons that we can learn that are very applicable to us today. Um, it's not a secret because it's been often repeated. I've seen on Facebook and Twitter the past few days, but it's been no secret that 2020 was a difficult and hard year. Obviously, COVID-19 has played a major part just affecting and disrupting every single aspect of life these past nine or ten months. Um, but it was just the beginning of a series of, 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 of tough, of stressful events that occurred this past year. As, and this, isn't, this is true for America, but also for the church as well. In the past nine or ten months, we've had to deal with COVID. We had to deal, do we wear masks or not? Do we go under lockdown or do we not? We had the killing of George Floyd. It's an election year, which is already stressful. And you had to decide, do I vote Democrat, Republican? Do I go Biden or Trump? Do I vote or do I not to vote? And that's not to include all the other maybe more localized things that have occurred in your lives or have occurred in the lives of other Christians and other people across the country and the world. It's been an incredibly difficult year. It's been an incredibly divisive year. And I think 2020 has taught the church one of two lessons. It's taught us that either we don't prioritize loving each other or it's taught us that we are just not very good at it. Um, I, if, you, if you've been on Facebook or Christian Twitter is the worst, you can see how angry we have become with each other. You know, this is within the church, no matter the denomination, no matter the state or country, how angry Christians have been towards each other. And maybe I've heard some, I've had some friends say this, that maybe 2020 was just a fluke. 
It was just an off year. You know, there's just been this idea that there's so many bad things that happened, and yet that's on me. I forgot how to do this whole love my brother and sister thing last year, but it's 2021. It's new year, new me. I'm back on this loving train. We have no more problems. But I just, I, I believe with all my heart that if we don't lean into the Holy Spirit, if we don't pray and ask for assistance with loving each other, and if we don't make this a priority coming into this new year, that nothing is going to change. The church, no matter how big or small, is going to continue to engage with one another from, with, from a posture of anger and bitterness. Um, that's not what I want for our church family, both here and immediately in Woodbury and across the world and across the globe. We are called, as John says, as Jesus says in his, his Sermon on the Mount, that we are called to love one another, no matter how uh, divisive or difficult things come. And my hope and my prayer for us this year is that as Christians, we can really rally behind this again. We can be resolved to love one another with our full heart again, no matter the circumstances and no matter the unforeseen events that come before us. Will you pray with me? Father, we, just, we thank you for this, this time to, um, to come together and to worship you. We're thankful to be in a, a new year um, and just with all the things that, that lie ahead. And God, my prayer is that as we head into 2021, as we start this new year, that we can be open to listening to your spirit, um, to being guided by your spirit, um, and that we can, can refocus in, uh, on what it means to love each other again. God, I pray that as in 2021, no matter what has happened or no matter what comes before us, that we don't uh, interact with one another from anger and from bitterness, but with that we can love each other through the difficult circumstances. God, I pray that you just continue to be with each person in this room, that you be with each person at home, and that you just continue to guide us on our paths of disciples. Thank you for everyone here. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.